welcome to the award-winning show, Holding Down the Fort, brought to you by U.S. Vet Wealth. A podcast show that focuses on sustaining a fulfilling, a purposeful military life through conversation and community building. I'm Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, veteran spouse, and creator of Holding Down the Fort. And I'm Jenny Lynn Stroop, a seasoned military spouse, mom of two boys, and your co-host. Together, we'll converse with special guests from the military community and for the community to share knowledge, resources, and relevant stories on how we can best hold down the fort for ourselves and our loved ones. Now let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the award-winning podcast show, Holding Down the Fort. I am your creator and co-host, Jen Amos. And as always, I have my amazing co-host with me all the way in Virginia Beach, Jenny Lynn's troop. Jenny Lynn, welcome back. Hey, glad to be here today. We had like at least 20 minutes worth of offline talking for today. We have. And so- It's delightful. <laughs> yes. It's clear so- that we should like talk more offline and not only hang out when we get on to record. That's what we're being told. It's true. It's true. I feel like sometimes I should make like these meetings an hour and a half just so we have space to just like talk. (laughs) Cause I always even find even after our recording, sometimes we're just networking like, Oh, you do that. You do that. I just like that spirit of community and networking. And I like how podcasting prompts us to want to have these types of conversations offline. And I'm really grateful for that. And, you know, I'm also grateful for you, Jenny Lynn, for always reminding me to to not always be so professional and to just kind of like (laughs) unplug and actually connect. You do a really good job, you know, kind of tricking me into brainstorming sessions when it's really just catching up. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you. PSA to our upcoming guests, block an hour and a half, maybe two (laughs) on your calendar. We'll take all your day. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're that kind of person that likes to chat, like we're here for it. Awesome. Well, without further ado, I am really excited because I feel like I'm having a very Virginia Beach themed day. Funny enough, like where I'm currently at in West Virginia, we have another Airbnb neighbor who also is from Virginia Beach, but our guest today is also from Virginia Beach. So very much a big Virginia Beach day. So let me go ahead and bring on our guest who actually is a good friend of mine, Melody Agbisit who actually grew up in a military household and today is a military spouse. She also is a therapist who has supported the military spouse in research and in practice. And so, like I said, she also has become a good friend of mine, especially since I had lived out in Virginia Beach. So without further ado, Melody, welcome to Holding Down the Fort. Hi, (laughs) thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, and I know we talked a lot offline, so I thought I'd start by asking you, do you have any opening thoughts for our listeners? Well, I guess as I was, you know, just hopping on to this podcast call, I have my PhD in uh, counselor education and supervision, and I did my dissertation on the lived experience of the career-oriented military spouse pursuing education for career advancement. Lots of things in there. And, you know, I just thought about it when I was like logging on. So I like pulled it up. And, you know, trying to remember like what I wrote. And it's kind of interesting that when I did my dissertation, I never wanted to be a military spouse. Mm. (laughs) I saw my mom, you know, my dad retired military. I saw my mom, you know, like being home a a lot, like back in those days, like, you know, in Virginia Beach, there's so many bases. My dad just like kind of hopped through the bases, did a lot of sea tours because my mom is career oriented. She's a nurse. She's a nurse admin. And so she didn't want to move. 
And so she was home alone a lot. And like, that's kind of what prompted me. Like, I feel very like close to my dissertation because my first page is talking about my mom. Mm -hmm. And like, that kind of prompted me like seeing her strength and seeing her resilience and like being a military spouse prompted me that when I got older, like in college, like that's when I started like researching like about military spouses and like figuring out ways to support them knowing full well I never wanted to be one <laughs> and I actually met my husband when I was like preparing to defend my dissertation so, hilarious. so it's kind of funny how life does <laughs> does that to you <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that story Melody because I think about even my own experience having been a military child and in my young adult life I told myself like even though my mom had always encouraged me to join the military she's like oh you got your BA you could become a military officer you know like you can have opportunities stability etc benefits yada yada and you know, I'm here thinking like, mom, did you forget that we're a gold star family? Like, did you forget like what happened to dad? I mean, I didn't say that to her, but it, that was what was going through in my mind. And it's so interesting because I really steered away from the community for a very long time, 20 years even. But then I met my husband, you know, who is a veteran and I met him after his service. And, you know, he's a West Point grad and the work we do today is very military heavy. Hence why we're doing the show here, holding down the fort. And now that I'm at where I'm at, I kind of almost regret actually not serving even just for four years because mm. I think it would have, I think it would have positioned me better professionally. Not that I don't like my life. I, I think I have a pretty good life, but like, I just think like, wow, if only I hadn't brought that resentment with me, like later in life, I, I could have had that opportunity. But that's sort of what comes to mind for me. So I kind of like in a way, the similarity we have is like, oh, I don't essentially want to do anything military related. And yet here you are, you know, with the dissertation and then, you know, in honor of your mom is sort of what it sounds like. And then now being married <laughs> to someone in the service. What came to mind for me is like, does anybody grow up and think, man, I really want to be a military spouse? <laughs> like, you know, I mean, you have like kids who play army and like, who really consider like being in the service, but I have yet to come across any military spouse that goes, man, when I was five, like that is what my heart was set on. Like I was going to be a military spouse. And it seems we all like have some life experience that, you know, throws us into this life that we feel neither prepared for or ready for. And yet here we are, like, I mean, I'm gosh, 14 years in, like 12 years married and 14 years together, like, you know, never having, I think at one point at a very, you know, intelligent age of 16 told my mother that I would never marry anyone in the military. And she definitely reminded me of that when I got married <laughs> to a sailor. Uh, you know, so I've yet to hear a story of somebody who was like, yeah, that is my life goal. Like, I'm going to be a military spouse and uproot every two years. I'm never going to have a career. Like, all of the things is what that made me think of and laugh. Well, to be fair, I, like, I also, like, part of my story, my military story is that I also come from an immigrant family. Mm -hmm. And it was the military that, that brought my family here. Right. So like, as you say that, like I'm coming from like a totally opposite spectrum where they wanted to be military spouses to come. Yeah. To mm -hmm. You know what? I never thought of it that way. Cause it's like, it's funny. Cause I ask my mom, I mean, if I ask her anything, I, I'm just like, Oh, like, did you want to like be in the military? She's like, well, your dad joined, so I followed him. Like, it, that's pretty much it. That was like her, her entire answer. And there was no like, 
there was no like thought out, like, you know, deep reasoning. It was just like, oh, he mm -hmm. went, so I followed him, you know? But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have been born American hadn't it been yeah. for my parents joining the military. Well, okay, I know this is the military podcast and I'm like flipping it to Filipino <laughs> culture. We just celebrated Filipino American History Month. So like East Coast Filipinos like came here like because of the military. Like, mm. which is like a contrast, like a lot of like the Filipinos on the West Coast came because of like, you know, agriculture. Agriculture, right. Yeah. yeah. And so my dad was already in the military when he met my mom. So like they actually were in a wedding together, like his best friend married her best friend. And so when he came back to the Philippines for the wedding, my mom was a nurse. So that's like, you'll see this, you know, in Virginia Beach, you see a lot of nurses mm. with like Navy people. And so when my mom had just graduated with her nursing degree, my dad, you know, he was already a military person. So they were like, oh, they should get married just for the merit that he was in the Navy and she was a nurse. Wow. <laughs> no personality. And they were single. Well, kind of. <laughs> my mom's single. Yeah. Like, no, like, oh, you guys have good personalities or like, oh, you guys would mesh well. None of that. None of that. <laughs> Still, oh, wow. solely because he was in the military and she was a nurse. <laughs> wow. Wow. I appreciate you sharing a little bit about that history, Melody, because yes, you are right. You know, like last month, at least October was Filipino American History Month. I'm curious to know a little bit more about your mom, because it sounded to me that she didn't want to make the move. She didn't want to like, mm -mm. you know, PCS and relocate. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so would you like to talk a little bit more about that and I don't know. I admire that. I mean, not saying that for any spouse that doesn't do that is not to be admired, obviously. But like, I'm curious, like, what did you take from your mom wanting to just stay put, essentially, from your perspective? Well, okay, so to be fair, a lot of this was observational. Like, yeah. I never was just like, hey, mom, do you like never want to move? You know, because yeah. I, I was also young, like I was still in elementary school, and my dad retired. So like, mm -hmm. my dad had already like served you know, like half his time before he even mm. met my mom. So like, that was helpful. <laughs> for yeah. my mom. And so like, I asked her a little bit, it's not like I interviewed her, you know, intensely about yeah. this. And I didn't even interview her for my dissertation. Like, you know, I was just like having, you know, short conversations. So what I gathered was, you know, she's very strong. Mm -hmm. Like, she wanted to have her own career and stand on her own feet. And like, no matter what happened to my dad or, you know, she, she might kill me for like saying this out loud. <laughs> She's your worst advisor, like, right? <laughs> she, she was always like, you always have to have your own money just in case you never know if you're going to get divorced or whatever. And so, which I don't have a family history of divorce. So like, I don't know where she got that like <laughs> impression from, but then her telling me that, like now that I'm thinking about it out loud, she probably had that in her mind too. Like you always have your own bank account. Like you always have your own money. Like you never know what's going to happen in life. Yeah. So she didn't want to move. She was GS or she is GS. She still works for Portsmouth Naval and she, she didn't want to mess that up. She was like moving up in her career like doing things she loves. She found a community that she loved, you know, like family away from home. She was very comfortable here. Like they've been trying to buy a new house for the past like 20 years, 20 years, wow. but like they can't because she's so comfortable. Like, 
in the neighborhood that she's in, you know? And so like, she was just fortunate as a military spouse that my dad was almost done with his career when they met. Yeah. And so she was like, okay, I'll sacrifice 10 years and like be kind of like a single mom so that like you can, so we can get like that military retirement and I can like stay here with the kids. I mean, of course, like we also had help, like my grandparents came and lived with us too, to like help with me and my brother. But yeah. I appreciate you, you know, sharing the story of your mom and her, you know, kind of, I guess, adamacy, is that the word? Adamacy? to like stay put in one place, but also, you know, kind of deal with the, let's say, consequences of having doing that, which is uh, playing single parent for a number of years. And I think that's very interesting how, you know, your mom, and even till this day is so like adamant, you know, and staying put despite even wanting to move to a new place. And so, you know, Jenny Lynn, you know, one thing I learned about her very early on is that she was essentially born and raised in this area. And then Mm. having to meet Matthew, and go through the life that you have gone through. I'm curious, Jenny Lynn, from your perspective, sort of what it's like to hear Melody's story of her mom. And then for you, you know, to have been the spouse to essentially uproot your life, you know, for the military and for Matthew's career. I mean, you know, we've had some discussions about those (laughs) things. It's interesting because for the first six years, six, (laughs) Yeah, for the first six years of his career, I mean, he did the same thing that Melody was talking about. Like, he base hopped. He went from Oceania Mm -hmm. to Norfolk to NIA in Afghanistan. And so, you know, I stayed here in Hampton Roads. I mean, he was moving bases and jobs, but I stayed here. And then in between that was OCS and some training. And again, like, I did not move to Rhode Island for 13 weeks for him to do OCS. I stayed in Hampton Roads. Like, um, you know, and then it was really for us as a family after so much time away because his last two Hampton Roads tours, if you will, like (laughs) were deployments, you know, we did make the choice to move as a family. And I mean, we went to New York and then to California and now we're back in Hampton Roads and back where I grew up and, you know, are really happy to be here. This is unequivocally home for me. And I'm glad to be back. And also Matthew still has time left in service. And, you know, we have had, you know, talks here and there of what happens next. Do you still have, you know, several years before you can retire? And, you know, what happens? Like, this feels like home. Our kids are at an age that they're much harder to move. You know, Matthew's on CDD right now. So I'm doing all of the parenting alone, except for the couple 48 hours he's home here and there you know, and I don't really want to move again. And I don't really, you know, and it, for me, it doesn't have as much to do with career. I'm very fortunate to work in a place that does allow remote work and um, which is great for me, it comes down to the feelings and the mental health, really, you know, I think I was really surprised as a mom knowing that we were coming home because both my boys were born here in Hampton Roads and my parents are here and they're very close to my parents. Like I was really surprised when they had a lot of big feelings about the fact that we left California and that they missed friends and that they, not that I didn't think they would just, I was kind of surprised at the intensity and thought, I don't know if I can do this again. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can uproot and be, you know, like take on and help them through all of those challenges again, all by myself. 
because that's what the next job would be. Like we would move somewhere and he would still be at a really fast paced, very long hour. Like, I mean, it would basically be CDD again, you know? So we have, as a family started having some of those conversations of like, Hey, this is home and we're happy here and everybody's doing well where we're at. You know, what does that look like for us for the rest of your career? Can you base off between Norfolk and Oceana and Little Creek or, you know, are you going to geobatch and are we going to stay? I know people who have done, you know, everything under the sun. They've always moved or sometimes they've geobatched. And I think it really just comes down to your family situation at the time of that decision. And whatever happens to be right for your family at that moment is the thing that, you know, you go with. Fortunately for my dad, he was offered early retirement. So Mm -hmm. like around the time he was like set to retire, his last four years was going to be overseas. So it's kind of like your situation then. And at the time, like my brother was really, not to put my brother's business out there, but (laughs) he like needed, he needed my dad. Mm -hmm. You know, like he was getting into a lot of trouble. Like he just needed my dad there. And so thankfully at the time, you know, they were like decreasing the military. So, you know, they offered, because my mom was like, well, I'm not going to go with you if you go. Yeah. And my dad, was, but then they both understood that like my brother really needed him. Mm. And so they were just fortunate enough that he was able to early retire and you know still get the benefits you know but then like a lot of people don't have that option now like now they're like bye <laughs> you know yeah. we, like we, we don't want to pay you my husband doesn't really have an incentive to stay career because he came into the new retirement plan mm-hmm. so he's like well i don't have an incentive to stay like it would you know take you know years before like he he got that anyway so like why stay in so you know i was just like thinking about like the decisions because my husband's in the process now of like deciding whether he wants to re-enlist mm-hmm. or not he just you know we just had that conversation like last week before they left yeah i know that you and your husband are sort of in the kind of in this uh, limbo state of mind Mm -hmm. right now in regards to like what even next year is going to look like for you guys. So we won't tap into that too much, but Mm -hmm. you know, in hearing you both talk and I just have to share this story, it's going to tie into our conversation. So yesterday I was in a part of a virtual conference that I was going to help like co-host and the internet was working here on the farm. The internet here was working like all day up until it was time for me to (laughs) co-host. And just so you know, out here in the farm where I'm at, there's no cell reception. So I am like solely dependent on Wi-Fi. So then the Wi-Fi went out. <laughs> and, oh, no. and so I was trying to explain this to my therapist. I was like writing it out. I was like, okay, how do I explain that very moment where I just wanted to like implode? So I did. I was able mm-hmm. to explain it. But the point is, that it's like, okay, why did I want to implode? Like why? And it was interesting because in this very moment when I was trying to make, like Scott was trying to, you know, he was the calm one. He was all like, well, why don't we go drive to the gas station so we have internet? you know, but in that moment, it wasn't necessarily about like kind of adapting to the situation. It was sort of being reminded of how uprooted I have been as of late, you know, in having moved Mm -hmm. around a couple of times, especially since our 30 day notice from Virginia beach. And so anyway, I say all this because that moment to me, like the moment I lost Wi-Fi, I didn't just lose Wi-Fi. I lost my connection to society and community and to what Mm -hmm. felt familiar. And so Mm -hmm. all that being said, 
you know, it seems like being a military family member, there's this constant tug of war with like being rooted and unrooted. And even if you are being rooted and uprooted, and even if you are like physically uprooted, how do you, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually try to feel rooted? And so, you know, Melody, when I think about your mom, I want to ask you like, do you appreciate, you know, the stability that essentially she gave you? The fact that it's like, no, we're, we're staying here. <laughs> like we're staying here for the last 10 years of your dad's service. Have you ever had a chance to kind of reflect on that? Because when I'm thinking about this, I feel like, man, like I almost envy people who have had that, who have, who have been able to stay put, you know, for a long time frame. You know, no, I, I haven't reflected on that. Like mm-hmm. as you were talking, I was like looking at my chart, you know, I have a chart for my themes that I found and I was like, oh yeah, like that's literally one of the themes, like uprooted lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think I reflected on the gratitude of like having to be able to have been here, mm. like rooted but I don't think I took it for granted though. Yeah. Because like my parents were really big on like giving back to the community and like, like really instilling that in us. So part of being here, we really embedded like ourselves into the community. Like, you know, like with my family, like we were really embedded ourselves in like, there's a lot of Filipino organizations here. And like, and part of that, like not only like having like this, family here right like there was a lot of giving back to the the community at large and so when you know like even in school and stuff I'm always like giving back at large so like even though I never thought about it it's like it's kind of like action wise like I was like taught to act on like the gratitude if that makes sense I love that just like now that I think about it like that kind of hit me when you asked me that I don't know why it hit so hard, like just not realizing, like, because I just saw it through the lens of like, oh, my mom wanted to keep her career. Like, I didn't see it through the lens of like, how does that affect me? Like, I never thought about, oh, what might it be like for me to go into a different school or like into a different city or to a different town? Like, I never thought about that until like this moment. That's kind of surprising to me. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad I caught you off guard. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, obviously there's, there's lots of contemplate on that. It's interesting listening to both of you coming from a military child perspective. That is very different. One moved one, you know, stayed pretty rooted and to be a mom of military children, myself who have been uprooted numerous times, like, because even though we've only lived in two other States other than Virginia, even within those duty stations, like we moved houses because of rental agreements and this and that and the other. And so there were like micro uprootings within like the giant move itself, you know, and it was as a mom, I mean, I think that's why we've started the conversation about what happens after this current, you know, tour, um, because it was the, it was the smallest of our moves actually that made the biggest impact on our kids because it was the one more thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we moved cross country in 2016 and in 2017, we bought a house across the street from the one we were living in. And that move like 
caused more reaction from our kids than the move from Connecticut to California, because it was Mm. like the one more thing, like Mm -hmm. we'd just gotten resettled and here we go uprooting again. And literally, I mean, we could see one house from the other, like they were in the same Mm. neighborhood. They went to the same school. We could still hang out with the same people, but it was like, you know, just that was the one more thing. And so it's interesting to hear you both talk about your own childhood as military kids, as I like try to parent two military kids, having not had that background. I grew up in Hampton Roads, but the Navy was that thing over there that inherently (laughs) I think made me feel a little safe. And also when I listened to the radio was like, thank God I never have to get on 564, like Mm -hmm. those awful like how horrible for those people. Like <laughs> it was very separate from, because I grew up, you know, more inland than Norfolk and Virginia beach. And, you know, so I was the person that grew up rooted. Like I um, went to the same church and the same school and I have friends and, you know, that I've known literally my entire life. And like, that's just not a reality my kids have. And so it's interesting to parent in a way that tries to help them feel rooted because that's my background when we continually uproot and like, where's the, where's the balance between like, we need to be both flexible. And also I want you to feel safe and secure and have roots somewhere. Yeah. Ooh, this is like getting me to realize a lot of things too. (laughs) That's really (laughs) having this conversation. Like, you know, I like hearing both of your stories, like both of you, in a sense, come from a very rooted background where, you know, the start of my first decade of my life is moving around, you know, just like with your kids, Jenny Lynn. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting because it's like, I feel like wanting to settle somewhere is like, oddly enough, the scariest thing I could ever do. It's so scary because like, I'm so used to just like my, you know, my foundation constantly shifting. shifting. That Yeah. That it's almost like, I'm almost afraid. I'm afraid of like, well, what if I land somewhere? Is am I how long am I going to be there for? You know? And so, you know, having been traveling in these last couple of months has really been challenging that idea. But I know for certain that no matter what, and I feel like what I'm getting from this conversation is no matter what, we all want to feel grounded somewhere, you know, whether it's within ourselves, within our family, within, you know, physical place. And I think the military community is like a constant reminder of. I guess, the value of stability, (laughs) you know, in a very unstable environment. And so that's pretty much what I sort of gathered from this conversation. So on that note, I think in speaking of, you know, kind of that, that shifty foundation, you know, being of a military family member, uh, Melody, this is the first time I heard about this from you offline, but you actually (laughs) wrote, and you mentioned this earlier in our conversation, you wrote a dissertation specifically about career military spouses and, you know, they themselves wanting to pursue a career. So I'd love to hear more of this because, you know, really as the show, as we continue to develop the show, the more I tend to find my happy place working with career military families. So I'd love to get kind of get your explanation of your dissertation and and everything. Okay. Yeah. I I had to fight really hard for all those four pieces, the career-oriented military spouse pursuing education for career advancement. Yeah. Because that's like four, you know, like factors, right? Yeah. And they're like, that's really hard. Like they wanted me to take one of those things out. And I was like, no, but that's the specific population I went to study. I wanted to study like someone who's career oriented, like who values their career, like who is a military spouse, who is in school, like 
that was the one I, I picked because I could pick anyone, right? Yeah. But like in school for career advancement. So basically I wanted to deal with the military spouse who isn't working just to have a job and just to have money, mm-hmm. right? Like I wanted to find someone who was like pursuing their passion, mm-hmm. who like, it was like part of their identity, uh, who, you know, like, you know, someone like me or like someone like my mom, like, yeah, you know, nursing to my mom isn't just a job, right? Like, cause like there are the military spouses who work or not just military spouses, there's the people who work just like civilians, right? Like people who like, oh, this thing makes me money. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it to survive, right? Like mm-hmm. the, I value that, but like that wasn't the population I was looking right. for. Like you're, you're, um, you're seeking out so, kind of the spouse that was wanted to have a sense of a purpose, sense of purpose in their career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like that just seems hard, right? You know, like you're jumping from duty station to duty station and, you know, I've had like, you know, I had interviewed executives who, you know, you're, you have like a $50,000 like pay cut. Yeah. And it's hard or like, there's no jobs. Like you move from, you know, a lot of bases are in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Right. So like you move from like metropolitan area to like, like the desert <laughs> and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, there's no like Fortune 500 companies here where yeah. like you could even apply <laughs> to work. And this is like pre-pandemic life, right? Like I graduated in like 2019. So this is pre-pandemic life. So it was like remote work wasn't as available yeah. back then too. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, how, how do you manage that? And it was like very like fascinating, just learning like the different ways that like people figured it out or like didn't figure it out, you know? And so like part of like picking this population was like, what are your specific experiences? Like what are like some of the themes like that came out of it? So, you know, like a lot of it is, similar to just any other military spouse but I think like that piece of like the career being part of your identity and like being important to you like that was like I guess like the differentiating factor than Mm -hmm. like with Mm -hmm. some other spouses and it was sad to me like at the time like not knowing that I was going to be one of these people (laughs) it was sad to me because like so I had like themes and like subordinate themes. So like the main themes was like the self, the circumstances and the choices. And then under that, like I had like subordinate themes. And then I'm like, I'm just looking at the, the chart right now. Like one of the subordinate themes was like self-sacrifice. Yeah. Like and that trade-off. And it's just like, oh, do I love, like in my head as I was doing this dissertation, and like conducting the interviews, I'm just, you know, there's a lot of self-reflection on my piece. And it's just like, at the time, I didn't think I could love anyone enough to do Mm. that. So like, the fact that I do now, it's like, I wonder if I were to do this dissertation or do these interviews again, I wonder like what lens, you know, as a researcher, we try to be as unbiased as possible, but like, it's impossible to be completely unbiased. And so, you know, as we're talking, I'm just thinking, like, if I were to do this interview again, like, I'm wondering what I would see. So maybe that was part of my bias of, like, 
career being so important to me that I saw that self-sacrifice like pop out like so much, you know? Yeah. Jenny Lane, I want to turn it to you because despite your educational background, you have still, as an active duty military spouse, been able to find a purposeful career. And so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. First, let me just say the word self-sacrifice hit a little too close to home. That has been, you know, in my less healthy years, that has been something that I probably dislike the most about this lifestyle because I felt like it was not valued, Mm. not solely by my spouse, but like from the organization in general. And I think, you know, there are a lot of things being done, a lot of changes being made so that as like organizations like the Navy, the Army, the DOD, like in general, like they are making strides to make family life and spouse life easier and less self-sacrificial. And so first, let me say, I'm happy about that. And also that hits very close to home because there have been times when I was not as healthy as I am now that that became the thing that like, I was hung up on. I don't have Mm -hmm. this because I did this. I can't do this because of your career. I don't get to do, you know, and, and it went on and on and on. We've talked about on this show many times that the career I have now has (laughs) looks nothing like what I thought it was going to look like when I got my undergraduate degree or when I got my master's degree. I don't do either of those things now. And also I love what I do so very much because of the military community I'm a part of. Mm -hmm. Like I cannot imagine going back to being like the 22 year old graduating from college, like and telling her, Hey, one day you're going to do outreach for like a nationwide military mental health company, like, and that you're going to really love it and really be passionate about it and really, really be happy about the people that you get to help from what you do. So, I mean, that is the flip side of military life for me that takes me out of that self-sacrificial, like everything I do is because of this, like, no, this is something I get to do because of the community that I'm a part of and that I love very dearly. No, I think it's beautiful. And, you know, I think in theme of talking about community, I think that's what we do, right? It's like, whatever you studied back in college, I think there was sort of this expectation, like you were studying that with the anticipation that you were going to serve a particular community. Mm -hmm. You know, little did you know that the military life would, you know, throw you in for a loop. (laughs) And yet, even though you're not using your degrees, you're still serving a community. And I think that is why you feel purposeful and emotional about it. Yeah. Well, and and truthfully, I I like this much better than what I went to school for. Like, I mean, and that that's really like where I hope that I love Melody that your research went to people who are like pursuing higher education for their job, like that they love something that much that they're willing to continue to learn about. I feel that way now about what I do. And I did Mm -hmm. not feel that way about the things that I paid to have two degrees in. Um, I feel you. (laughs) You know, so, I mean, there's definitely like the flip side of that. Like, I mean, I get a thousand invitations to like military mental health conferences these days. And I'm like, how many of these can I go to? And still, you know, do all the things I need to do. Yeah. 
Wow, what a conversation. I find myself like pausing a lot and good thing our listeners don't know this and Dennis is a great editor because I am just so pleasantly surprised with how this conversation has turned out and I feel very full from it already. And it's so funny because I thought I was going to ask our typical, I mean, our typical but not typical holding down the fort questions, but we never get to them because we always end up with like different conversations. But anyway, other than that, Melody, with everything that you shared so far, uh, having grown up in a military household and being a military spouse today and having done this dissertation, what's next for you? Like, where do you see yourself going from here? Well, one, I think that merits like being invited back. <laughs> to the <podcast>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's kind of a loaded question for me right now, just because I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's a fair like, question. I, That's a fair response. That's a fair response. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I did life weird. It took me a decade to get my PhD to do this dissertation. And, you know, like I love serving the military population. I love the military spouse. You know, I talked about like my Filipino culture a little bit. Like I love that population. I love serving women. And another passion of mine is like leadership. Like I, I just love to build up people no matter like what, what I'm doing. So I have a brand, Melamahalo Wellness, and I'm looking to expand that more. So like with Melamahalo Wellness, I do more like coaching consulting. Mm -hmm. So like with counseling, I work for a practice, but like I also do this like freelance stuff on the side where I give trainings on mental health and leadership and wellness. I've done this like globally and I want to just do that more. I'm thinking of going to an open mic tonight. Oh, I wish I could be there. <laughs> I know. When you come. Okay. You all uh, gotta like drag me to all of your events when I'm back in town. Okay. Anyway, yes, go, get back in. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Continue. So like part of Mellow Mahalo Wellness, just a little, if I have a little time, it means purpose, love, and gratitude. So Mellow, short for Melody, my name. <laughs> little self-serving, but like, I believe that we all have a melody of our heart. Like we all have like mm. something, a song to give to the world, like to make the world a better place. And then mahal means love in Tagalog, like in Filipino. And so like, if we surround ourselves with the people and things that we love, and then mahalo is like, thank you, gratitude in Hawaiian. And if we're like thankful for the things that we have, like we'll have a more fulfilling life. So like part of my brand is to help strengthen those three parts in you. So I think that's where I'm going next. Because kind of like with military, like as you were saying your story, Jenny Lynn, like I was thinking like one of the studies that I pulled into my dissertation was like the mental shift from like career ladder to career lattice. Mm. And where it's like, you know, not just military spouses, but anyone, as you were saying, you're not using your degrees, like kind of. Like most people like don't use their degree, like 50% of people don't do what they went to school for, right? But like under the career lattice model, it's like all the experience you have, it comes back mm -hmm. and it just adds mm -hmm. to, to your career and to who you are that. and to your yeah. experiences. And so, I mean, I, I love being a therapist, but I went into my master's degree at a private university knowing that I didn't want to be a therapist full-time. <laughs> Sometimes I don't even want to be a therapist part-time. And it's not because, <laughs> it's not because like, you know, I don't love like helping people. It's because like, there are other ways I want to help people too. Mm -hmm. Like my open mic night, like I have all these poems that sometimes I use my poems in my therapy. 
like mm-hmm. they're going through something. Oh, I have a poem for that. I'll like mm-hmm. perform it or or recite it like during session. And it just like, it hits you. Like there's so many different ways like you can help people grow other mm-hmm. than like talk therapy, which I think everyone should go to talk therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're, we're big on mental health here so yeah <laughs> or sometimes we don't therapy. disagree like, <laughs> I'm very big on that but like in my heart like I want to use my other talents and skills yeah. to help people like I'm in the process of writing two books or one poetry one on like my model of mental health and wellness and so I want to grow that I want to grow that more I feel like the more I talk about it the more it will force me to do it actually yeah. do it and that's why I bring you on the shows because it's like, I'm, I'm holding you accountable in, in a weird way. Yeah. yeah. And you know, to our listeners, if you want to hear a previous interview I did with Melody, I'll provide that in the show notes for all of you. But Melody, I'm so excited for you. And I'm so glad that, you know, I had a chance to catch up with you in this fashion again. And I'm just excited for your journey and, you know, kind of what that big question mark in your next chapter of your life is going to look like. You look so happy talking about where you want to go from here. Jen and I will for sure hold you accountable. (laughs) Also, I love the career lattice. Like as you were talking and talking about experience, I think about my own resume, which I actually start with that I'm an active duty military spouse because I have so much volunteer experience there. Mm -hmm. And I lit like, and it really is like, Sure. I mean, I joke that I don't use either of my degrees. Actually, I do because they're part of my life experience. Like I was a teacher, which I still, that's one of the things I still love about mental health. Like I like teaching about it, not Mm -hmm. in the same way I taught first grade, but like, you know, still use it. And I just, I love that. And, you know, I think everybody can always change and grow and do things a little differently. And you're going to take those other things and, you know, Congrats to you for like moving forward with new things. I just did a new thing that I'm not quite ready to say out loud on the podcast what it is, but I've also done a new thing and you know, it's another piece of that similar to you. Like, I really love this. I love podcasting. I love being an outreach coordinator for the Cohen Veterans Network. And I also love like writing and storytelling. And I think all of those hold value and help people in completely different ways. Mm -hmm. And also sometimes the same. (laughs) Yeah. I love, love it. it. Awesome. Well, on that note, Melody, this has been wonderful to reconnect with you and to get a snapshot of your life today. And like I said earlier, I'm really excited to see what the next chapter of your life is going to look like. And I can't wait to hang out again. <laughs> Yay! Just, just, just put that out there. Uh, but yes, we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Melody, do you want to let people know is there a particular website or way you want people to get a hold of you if they want to reach out? I definitely hadn't paid for my website since the pandemic, but (laughs) you can connect with me on my Instagram, Mello Mahalo, M-E-L-O-M-A-H-A-L-O. And I don't post that much, but hopefully my launch will be, I I did a soft launch like four years ago, but I have put off my big launch. So hopefully that will be Uh, within the next few months and that will be announced on there so yeah Instagram sweet (laughs) love it well Melody thank you so much for your time and of course Jenny Lynn thank you for co-hosting and to our listeners thank you for listening we hope you got a lot out of today's conversation and uh, with that said we will chat with you in the next episode tune in next time we hope that you enjoyed today's conversation 
Get access to our show notes and subscribe to our newsletter by checking out the details of this episode on your preferred podcasting platform or visit our website, holdingdownthefortpodcast.com. And while you're on holdingdownthefortpodcast.com, be sure to follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or our YouTube channel. If you got a lot of value from today's conversation, kindly leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or leave us a recommendation on our LinkedIn profiles. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time.